Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined this week by Karen Collins. Karen, how are things? I'm very good, Mark. Thank you. And yourself? Oh, sure. Great, great. Look, we had an epic weekend last weekend in Provincial Hurling Championship Fair. I suppose tonight we'll review those two games, uh, maybe take a little bit of a new perspective on things, and also we'll look at the All-Ireland preliminary quarterfinals that are scheduled for Carlow and Tullamore this Saturday. I suppose, Karen, let's kick off first with the Munster Senior Hurling Championship Final. You are down in TUS Gaelic Grounds. Now, unfortunately, due to work commitments, I wasn't able to go, but the pictures look magnificent, and what a magnificent game to boot here with plenty of drama right up to the final whistle. Absolutely, Mark. And I think even before the game, just the atmosphere on the ground, you know, I think the Gaelic Grounds has lacked a few of these big games in recent times, you know, Turles and especially now with Parky Cueve on board as well, but just the, you know, a real buzz around even the city and the, around the ground before, like it was, you know, it was incredible. I suppose the weather helps as well. Um, I suppose it all came together for, you know, such a, a an outing or a good day out, like, you know, and I think if you're at the game, I, I don't know how, like, I think it watched differently on television than it did live. I think it was it was kind of tense. You know, I think both teams were tense, especially at the start of the game. You know, and I suppose, look, the early nerves, you know, full house, um, the Gaelic crowns, you know, it was, uh, the noise, the atmosphere, the colour. Like, it was it was all incredible. And I suppose, you know, from a player's point of view, I think sometimes we forget these guys are human too. And I'm sure there's a lot of nerves involved and, you know, taking it all in themselves. And that was a nervy start, but... I think I think Claire looked a bit more um a bit more sharper than Limerick, especially at the start. And it took their scores easier. Uh I think, you know, I think we get to the referee in, in a while. I think the referee definitely the first five or seven minutes let things go. Uh I thought it was looking like we we're gonna have a repeat of last year's performance with uh, you know, Keenan from Wicklow who who really let things go. We know we you know, it was probably one of the games of last year and probably the games of the decade even. Um but I think after that five or seven minutes spell, he, he started to get a hole on it. He started to blow for things he hadn't blown for in the first few minutes. And I think he probably, so we get to later on, he got a few good decisions wrong. Um, one of them really highlighted in the last couple of days. But I think for, you know, for Clare, they had a huge task coming into the game with their, with their you know, resident fullback, um, Connor Cleary. You know, and obviously named early in the week, but, you know, I think... A lot of people knew like it would be a big, a big, uh, a big ask if he was there with the, the injury he sustained a few weeks ago. I don't think anyone saw the replacement in Keen Nolan coming in. I think you know, as a young lad, he's taken a lot of slack the last couple of days. I think a lot of it's unjustified. I don't think he did the whole point wrong. You know, if you're wanting a, a guy to man mark, you know, you want him touched tight to your attacker, and you know, I think I think I don't think he'd be accused of any different. You know, he was he was stuck to Glenn all day. You know, I just think that the 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 ball that Galam was getting in the delivery of ball was you know was exquisite you know it was ex- exactly how Galam wanted it and I think it's just Galam's pace and his turn I think is what sets him apart from other other attackers like he's just that turn and pace that I think defenders struggle with you know I think a lot of defenders have to decelerate to take it to take a turn you know Galam powers through and you know that's where he pulls away um, but I think look. He's taken a lot of slack, but I don't think he did a whole point wrong. Uh, I think when it came to, you know, there was one stage there, early second half, where the two guys inside, uh, Nolan and uh, Rory Hayes, were both on yellow cards. So you're, you're leaving these two guys in a bit of a, a tricky situation that 
I think it's probably an unfair situation to leave them in with the, the ball that was going in. Like, I think Limerick start, the, the intent was there early. Like, uh, any ball that was put in was put in directly aimed at, at Kilan. And I think from a Clare manager point of view, I think they might look back with a bit of regret that, you know, I'd switch it up some way that, like, to have two guys inside on yellows, you know, it, it was inhibiting them guys from making a, you know, if they need, needed to make a tackle because either a black card or, or a red card was going to be, was going to be dished out, you know. But, you know, I think um, for for Keen Nolan himself, I think it was a hard day at the office. But you know, personally, I think he didn't do a whole pile wrong. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you because I set you off air here. Like I just came down just before throwing, and then the announcement was made on Sunday game that Connor Cleary obviously had wasn't going to play Keen Nolan in. So I imagine straight away, Karen, that look a new guy coming into that position you'd at least support him, you know, in terms of maybe a sweeper or maybe put the wing back back there just to basically provide a little bit of support. But I think the Sunday game fairly well illustrated it. You know, the likes of John Conlon in the midfield, half forward line of, uh, you know, of the Clare, massive ball was coming in throughout. And and uh, I totally agree with you, uh, Kieran. I think Clare management certainly on keynote. I don't care who you are as a fullback, with that level of ball going in, uh, like the 60 40 ball the 70 30 ball i mean Keen nolan was on a hiding to nothing really to be perfectly honest and look rory hayes was on seamus flanagan but i think limerick realized fairly quickly that galan against Keen nolan it was a one-to-one matchup and they were going to continue to abuse this all day long and so it proved and i mean it was required from limerick's standpoint because i thought claire had started the game much better they seemed to be a bit more sharper the middle third seemed to be you know very good in terms of even the half-back line, Derrick Ryan scoring an early point there. Even the likes of Cahill Malone really getting involved. Tony Kelly was slowly but surely getting involved as well. So I think from a Clare perspective, literally on the turnover ball, there was 15 turnovers for Clare in that first half. I thought an awful lot of things went right for them, but they, there was some inflicted wounds here, particularly on the Keen Nolan, but also some of the shooting as well. And I mean, the Mark Rogers goal, fortuitous as it was, I thought immediately after it was maybe deciding of the game here because they had two or three opportunities here, Kieran, to really stake a claim, go five, six points up and really put Limerick under the pin of the collar and they didn't do so. Yeah, it's actually, I was marvelling over um, Connell and I was watching him was in front of me in the second half and like going forward, he's exceptional, you know, and if you just watch his movement, you know, you, you can see he's reading the game, he's reading, um, getting into areas before the, the ball even comes in you know it's just, he's playing like a sweeper role and it seemed to be with less regard for defending and I think that Sunday game showed that space like the space between the Clare half back line and the two and Rory Fanning and the Keen Nolan like there was acres of it and that suited Limerick and that was a game they obviously set out to play from the start I think the first ball Limerick got was that ball into Galan and I think Clare were possibly a little bit lucky I think um you know, Keen Nolan pulled down Galan possibly four or five times before he was issued a card. You know, so I think Gordon was a little bit lenient in that regard. You know, any time the ball went in, it was to Galan. And, and, and to be fair, look, majority of the time, Nolan dealt with it. But it was, you know, was it within the rules of the game? No, it wasn't. You know, he was either pulled down or um, it was illegal, illegally challenged. So I think they probably, he got away with a few more than he, he might have got away with a, a different referee. But yeah, I think the... The Clare half forward line, you know, I think they've shown it in, in, in games gone by is their, you know, their, their will to get forward, you know, probably similar to Limerick, but, 
you know, another mistake from the management that, you know, the early intent was visible that Limerick were going to play a ball into Galan, but they didn't close in that area. They didn't push, you know, sit a little bit deeper to try and protect their their, their full back line and, and the two inside, you know, and that's one change it didn't make. And, you know, all, every day, all day, the, the ball was being popped into Galan. I think Rory Hayes did a good job in Flanagan, and a lot of that was probably down to the Munster final last year where the roles were probably reversed, where Flanagan got the better of, of um, Rory Hayes, where he scored seven points off him. But I think, you know, aside from that, um, defensively, I think Clare, I suppose, you know, left a lot of space for the, the two target men inside, and, and as we predicted, there would be. Absolutely, and I mean, for me, after about 20, 25 minutes, I thought I was screaming out for David McNerney from Tulla to go back into full-back slot or protect Keane Nolan, even if it was a case of, I've heard that, you know, Shane Amori coming in for 30 minutes, Keane Nolan coming in for 30 minutes, but it was still that potential David McInerney to come back in there and start even just literally cover space right in front of Galan here. But and I think, to be fair, I'm sorry to call you cross mark, but yeah. I think uh, Shane Amori did change it up when he did come on. I think it's it that pace that, you know, that he has, like, to be fair, Aaron Galan was out in front all day. You know, up to that stage, and then I think when Shane Amore came on, he was getting out in front a little bit more, and, and uh, was, get, was cutting up all coming to Galan. So, but I think that that change, you know, was effective, but I think it was just a little bit too late. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. I suppose we can get to the Clare goal as well. I mean, Limerick were battling back into that game as well, like Sigurd Hegarty getting into the game, falling a bit deeper as well. I thought himself and Tom Morrissey really protecting half-back line, trying to nullify the space that Tony Kelly would often crave in these sort of fixtures. Good job there. Getting back into it, and then all of a sudden the goal kicks off. Now, we can say fortuitous enough, but all credit to Mark Rogers, like being the alert inside forward that he is, anticipates the goal. Nothing that Dan Morris or Nicky Quaid could do here, and they opened up uh, the gap here. Yeah, and I think for Rogers, it's probably his best game to date for Clare. You know, scoring 1-2 as well. You know, he reacted quickest. Um and and he, and he took it well, but I think it was the the next couple of minutes that you know that came for clear that, as you said, it could have been it could have been more. They went in three points ahead. Uh, I think Ryan Taylor possibly should have just tapped the first ball. He ran in a goal. He should have tapped it over. Um, I think then the second one, he kind of <clears throat> he knew he fumbled up the first one and he, he went to pass it off and possibly you know the, there was a goal on. You look at these small margins in the game, but. I suppose for Claire, from a Clare point of view, if they had been going in in a half time, six points up, you know, it's a, it's a different proposition for Limerick then. I mean, you know, trying to claw back a, a six point lead as opposed to a, a two or three point lead. But uh, yeah, there's a couple of different factors too, though, I, I think, which haven't been documented during the week. I think the media, and you could probably make a, a point for both games over the weekend, like the media, they hook onto a storyline and, and a story of events uh, of how the game unfolded. And, you know, I think people kind of catch on to this and, and go with this all week. But, you know, I think a, a big point of that game is for, kind of forgotten is uh, when Grod Higgins, he took a ball and goal. You know, he was pulled down outside. I think it was uh, McInerney. You know, he he got through the tackle. Uh, advantage should have been played. And then he was also pulled down by um, Young Hogan inside before he passed for goal. So I think it, it was highlighted during the game. I think... Um, Brendan Cummins and Martin Marcy had even commented on it that, you know, advantage possibly, not possibly, it should have been played. You know, and I think that was a, a facet of the game for Liam Garden Sunday that really annoyed me was how the advantage rule was played. I think on a couple of different occasions, the advantage was allowed. 
Uh, on this occasion, it wasn't, you know, so I don't see any reason why it couldn't have been. I think there was one part at one point during the Clare game, or during the game, and I can't remember what part, but Clare um, were given advantage. The shot was taken and went wide, and Liam Gordon pulled it back for the free. You know, I think if you if you go and take your shot on, that's your you're waving your you know you're waving your free, you're taking it on. So that that's frustrating. But you know, I think had had Grove Hager been allowed that advantage, you know, there's a possible goal chance on for Limerick there, and you know, there's no three point gap going into half time. It's it's closer. It's a it's a, a one point game at most, and you know I think this hasn't been mentioned all week. You know there had there was a lot of refereeing decision, you know decisions that were possibly wrong, but you know this hasn't entered the media all week. Yeah, no, I I think these games are tricky. They're tricky for match officials, even after last year, the hype that was coming in here after last year in Turles, an incredible game, the physicality, you know, really trying to emulate that standard or that caliber, you know, officiating now. We know that John Keenan didn't really get many games straight after it, but again, he let the game flow. And I think Gordon, I think, was literally caught in two stools here, whether to let the game flow or to, you know, really kind of pick up on a few things. And I think there's, I think both sides may have had a grievance there for sure. But I suppose Limerick going in halftime three points down, I felt comfortable uh, with three points. I thought they were blessed to be going down three points at halftime here, Karen. Because with the management, Kylie, Kinark, the backroom staff here would have made the necessary adjustments and so approved. I mean, third quarter was this is another thing that hasn't been mentioned by the media that much. Limerick really dominated that third quarter and won it by five points and culminating in that goal from Aaron Galan. And I mean, you can talk all you want about last minute freeze and stuff, but again, that was probably only going to guarantee extra time. Fact of the matter is, I think the third quarter here, either side of halftime, really was a pivotal factor here for Limerick in this game. Yeah, it was an eight-point swing. Um, like Limerick within three points down, and fifty-fifth minute, they were five points up. You know, and I think that that was like they was outscored them one three, one eight to three points in that period, and that was probably the period of the game that that won it for Limerick. You know, I think we know Limerick have proven in in recent times that they're possibly a second-half team, and I think we saw it as well back in the in the COVID times when the water breaks and the Limerick got to readjust, and I think it's. It's a sure sign that the <clears throat> the changes are being made by Kinnark and Kylie. She's nine out of ten times they seem to work. I think Limerick really got a handle on the game, and I think suppose the only from a Limerick point of view is that when they were that five points up, is that they didn't put keep the foot in the throat and and, and push it out further. Um, I think when Galan took his goal, he also had a, a very good chance at the second one, not not too long after. Um, and had that gone in, you know, it's possibly a different game at that stage. But you know, I think credit to Claire that. They fought back bit by bit, but they they never got in front. I think Limerick kind of always had the answers. They kind of kept them, they just kept them at bay coming towards the end. Um, you know, and I think Clare had their chances. You know, they had some ways for shooting. You know, the 12 wides uh, in total and, and six balls dropping short. You know, that's, is that panic shooting? I don't know. You know, is it pressure? I think a few of their guys didn't perform to what we've seen this year. I think Aidan McCarthy was one of them. I'm not sure if there was a, an injury involved. <clears throat> I think Peter Duggan had a quiet game. I think he was really, uh, you know, didn't have any purple patch at all. Tony Kelly, look, Tony Kelly, Tony Kelly, he's one of the best hurlers in the country. So he came in with uh, with six points, um, but not as influential as we've seen him against Limerick in, in, in the last year or two. It is a monster final. You know, obviously there's a lot more pressure uh, on teams at this stage. Um, you know, Claire, their history, They've only won a handful of these monster titles, you know, in their history. And, you know, as we've seen in the last couple of years, it's not an easy thing to do. 
and I think th- I think more pressure was on Clare. There was a lot of hype in Clare building, you know, over the last week, you know two or week or two, a lot of <clears throat> a lot more hype than I think there would be on in, Lim- in Limerick. You know, I think the teams are at different stages. Around you know Limerick are down the road a couple more years of this Clare team, and uh, I think the the hype you know and, and the pressure may have got to them in the end. When you look at the stats like the wide count and and, and balls dropping short, um, you know on another day. You know, I think you look back to the first game with Limerick and Clare, where they were a lot more clinical. I suppose they played with, you know, the the, the shackles were off that day. You know, everything went right for them. And I think, I think, you know, while Clare had their missed chance, I think, you know, huge credit to Limerick, you know, 12 finals, 12 wins in the John Coyley area. And fair stat, it's a fair number, finals unbeaten. And they just always seem to find a way, you know, <coughs> whatever gets thrown at them, they always seem to have an answer. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. I mean, the last few years have been phenomenal. Look, we're both Limerick Hurland fans. Uh, I know I'm based up in Galway these days, but look, passionate Limerick Hurland fan. And to be perfectly fair, look, the last few years, th- this team all, the support is absolutely nothing. And I mean, to come through again, a very competitive, intense Munster Senior Hurland Championship. Like, I mean, only three weeks ago, we were kind of looking at save our season. We have to beat Cork to even get into a top three and to really get a Munster Senior Hurland Championship title five in a row. I mean, it's an incredible achievement for John Coyley, Paul Knurk, and the rest of the, the players here, Declan Hannon, and the rest of the team here. But, I mean, look, we can talk about Limerick a little bit, but uh, even going back to the Clare, 50% from freeze, 52% shots uh, accuracy as well. I think these are other things here that we're missing from the general media this week. I mean, look at the, sh- the number of shots, 44 shot opportunities Clare created. They had more turnovers. Than Limerick. I mean, all the stats ticked all the boxes for Clare, and it's really that accuracy, it was that composure. And I mean, even going down the stretch here, Karen, when the game was in the melting pot, was it Ryan Taylor again with a chance straight out in front and puts it wide? You know, these are kind of the calls, you know, coming into the stretch into halftime, coming down the, the drive here and the, the full time whistle. I mean, again, you'd hope from a Clare perspective that they can reflect and really regroup and try to improve their accuracy here because i mean limerick eight out of nine freeze they did the job done and the bench impact as well i think from both teams was quite noticeable here i mean the likes of aaron shanner ian galvin coming on scoring a few points but i thought adam english and also Carl o'neill's contribution from limerick absolutely essential here for limerick going down the stretch so look i think claire will have an awful lot of regrets i know the last minute and all the pitch invasion, stuff like that. Besides that, I think video analysis-wise, even taking that out, I think there's an awful lot here for Clare to probably pick apart. There is, Mark. Yeah, you know, and I think, obviously, there's going to be a grievance over that they, you know, and I free not given in, in the last, you know, nine seconds. They get over that. Unfortunately, these things happen, and they're probably happening a lot more, you know, frequent than we'd like. You know, I think we... A lot of these big games, we tend to be talking about refereeing decisions at the end of them, and I think it just highlights that, you know, there's something not right. You know, and with all fairness to referees, like, it's a fast game. It's, you know, for one man in the middle on his own. There's a lot going on. You know, frantic, dying seconds. You know, the ball is it's spinning anywhere. Um, you know, it, it's a big call to make, and I, I, look, I don't think Liam Gordon had his best of days with the whistle, but, you know, it, it's hard to criticise him when there is so much going on, and um, he's not the only one, but I think GA need to look at it. There has to be, you know, I think more done to to help police this. There's so many rules to think. Like I think even Dima Burns got away with 
catching the ball three times earlier in the game. <clears throat> Things like this have to be picked up on. You know, the basic skills of the game. If you're coaching, you'd be thinking it shouldn't happen. But, you know, if they do, they should be pulled up on straight away. You look at it, in my case, you got a yellow card in the first half. You know, it was down in front of us there. And, you know, it was pretty innocuous. I don't think there was a whole pile in it. You know, I think things like that, you know, and I fans. But <clears throat> when you strip it all back and think of the, the job at, at hand for them, you know, it's not a job I'd like to do. You know, but aside, aside from that, Leclerc had their grievances and, and, and totally understandable. There was a free there at the end. I do think <clears throat> Peter Casey and Tony Kelly, um, that part might have been a bit of a coming together, but definitely the second part, there was a there was definitely a free there. But look for Claire, there, there's so many positives, you know, even not this game, but this year, um, aside from the Tipperary game, you know, they came to the Gaelic grounds and they went toe-to-toe to, you know, reign our Ireland champions and they beat them by a point. Okay, look, Limerick would probably say we weren't at our best that night, but, you know, there is very, very little between these two teams and they've shown over the last, especially the last two years. And Claire, you know, I think they're getting to where they deserve to be. <clears throat> they deserve to be the last four. They deserve possibly a shot at All-Ireland. You know, I think they've been there, thereabouts. <clears throat> and I think they'll learn a lot of lessons from last year, especially like a Kenny game and an extra game in the quarterfinals. Well. And I think they would have a, a tough couple of weeks to, to get ready and, I'm sure last year would be in the back of the mind. The doubts would be in the back of the mind. But, you know, I think if they use them as uh, motivation and, you know, and, and power through, hopefully <clears throat> get through Dublin and, and I a semi-final against Kilkenny, you know, that you'd, you'd have, um, if they've learned from last year, that you'd hope to get it right for this year. Absolutely. My wife and Carol has listened to this, so <laughs> we'll probably scratch that last bit out. Um, uh, to be fair, uh, though, uh, Karen, yeah, you're spot on there. I think for Claire, I think the motivation is the key, isn't it? I mean, an awful lot of good things happen in this Munster campaign. That temporary loss, I mean, with Rory Walsh, who isn't here tonight, but Rory had kind of was really pinning that temporary result as being a key one for Claire. The fact that they lost that, but then the resiliency to come back. And then to respond the way they did in TUS Gaelic Grounds, I thought was nothing short of sensational. And then they backed it up with the Waterford win. And also, you know, literally uh, the Cork win was just fantastic. Dermot Ryan coming out here, being a prominent leader here. I think for care management, really, it's now just a case of really kind of trying to pick together here in terms of some squad depth issues, particularly defensively now. Connor Cleary is probably going to be a key question mark going into this All-Ireland series. So now it's a case of, I think, Keen Olin, Again, we know his capability here. I think he'll have better days in Clare Jersey. But again, I would stress a Shane Mori or a David McInerney or someone back there with a bit more experience really in that quarterfinal uh, will be essential here. So I think for Clare management, I think it's more on the management here, I think, uh, here, Karen, than the players. I think we know that the players here are absolutely standout. They've been going toe-to-toe with all the elite players uh, from province and also in Leinster for many a year now so I think it's really the management have to really adjust here and really kind of reflect in terms of the next week going into this All-Ireland quarterfinal but look Limerick what can we say here Karen? five in a row as you said the 12 finals 12 wins it's been a fantastic fantastic era for Limerick hurling here and I mean really bodes well here you know they have the four week break obviously recharge batteries and go again uh, particularly on that Saturday in July, in the All-Ireland semi-final. I mean, they're in a great place. Yeah, and I think John Kiley said it after the game. You know, our guys know what's going to happen for the next four weeks. They know, you know, at what stage things are going to happen. We've been here before, and that has to be a huge plus. The four-week break is obviously very welcome as well. 
hopefully it'll give Keane Lynch time to recuperate and, and you know maybe get back on the field. Um, I think it'd be a huge bonus getting into Crow Park. I think Crow Park is a stadium and a field that, that suits Limerick. You know, I think they have a good record there. I don't think any of the, the quarterfinalists are going to fancy facing Limerick in a, in a semi-final there. Um, but look, yeah, Mark, it's been exceptional for years, you know. Yeah. She's I grew up and probably the same herself. And I resign myself to the fact that I'd never see Limerick win in All Ireland. And Jesus, to have four of them in a couple of years and, you know, to win five monsters, like winning a monster growing up was a it was a huge, huge deal. Was it ninety six and then twenty thirteen? So before now, and you know, it's an incredible bunch of players. All these naysayers and JP is buying us this and JP absolute bullshit. JP is involved in Limerick Hurling for the last twenty, twenty five years more. Nothing has changed. It's just an exceptional group of players. The work was put in years ago underage. What more can you say? I think it's an, it's an insult to say that we're being bought and we're buying all Ireland's. Uh, Limerick herders work harder than any herders or county panels up and down the country. And I think they're just an incredible bunch of players. And I, I think they're a team that will go down in history as, as one of the best teams that have ever played the game. And they're up there with that Kenny team. And uh, I'm not going to say they're any better. I think it's a different era of hurling. And, you know, it, it's, not, it's not comparative really, but you know, they're just they're an exceptional team and, and I think as Limerick, we, we'll never see the legs again. Absolutely, no. I remember coming out of Turles uh, after a quarter-final loss to Dublin when Ryan O'Dwyer ran havoc against Limerick in the first half and I, I just talked to a fella from Turnafulla and we just looked at each other and said, will I ever see in my lifetime an All-Ireland final win? And like, now we're a few years now and we're getting absolutely spoiled. Like, so, I mean, fair play to the players and management. And as you say, the academy, the underage structures are there now. I mean, you can talk about the Hartigans here, JP Mamanis's, the Bennises, all all the Careys, all the Hurland families here that have really kind of gone through here in terms of the graduate academies, that programme. It's absolutely sensational at the program here. Anthony Daly coming in there for a year or two as well, really evolving it as well. So look, this ha- doesn't happen by accident. We're seeing the likes of Adam English now, Colin Coughlin as well. I thought absolutely superb cameo when he came in. You know, when you're bringing in two or three young guys coming in there as well, it's it's just so heartening to see. And uh, as you say yourself, Crow Park is a pitch that has an awful lot of fond memories for this this playing group, and particularly the likes of Keen Lynch here. And I think to be fair to it's like John Kiley, like the young guys coming in, he, he doesn't dog them anyway. Like he it's like a, it's like an apprenticeship. You know, they come in, this you know, they they get their league games this year, you, you won't see them for the championship, you know, and then next year and so on. Like we see this year, uh Adam O'Brien and, and Johnny Codali getting league time. You know, we haven't seen them in the championship and probably won't. But yeah, I think next year, as they're a year older, they'll feature a bit more and they'll be, you know. Aidan O'Connor, these you know guys coming in, younger guys coming in again. There's Jimmy Quilty, there's a few more there. Yeah, there's no expectation, huge expectation on them at such a young age. Like maybe it happens in other counties, they kind of have to serve an apprenticeship and, and and prove, you know, that they're they're capable. And I think Colin O'Neill probably was fast tracked a little bit more than other players because of Keane Lynch's injury last year. But look at the, the experience he gained, you know, at such a young age, you know, an All Ireland winner and. Bring the likes of, of Cahillian off the bench um, the weekend. Like, you know, it's huge, huge plus. And uh, these guys are battle hardened. And uh, to, to bring them in to finish off the game, you know, Cahill getting two points. And I think Adam as well getting a point, you know, pivotal, you know, needed. And um, it's great. It's great. Like we, we said, we, 
for so many years in the in the doldrums and 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 watching Tipperary's and Kilkenny's and Corksman all Ireland's and you know now it's our turn and I think that if you look at the celebrations and uh, get a crown on Sunday, you know that fifth uh, Munster title means as much as the first one and uh, you know it was celebrated and I think if you looked at the celebrations you would see how much it means to the Limerick people. Absolutely, we couldn't even hear Tom Morrissey's Sunday game interview straight after it. Uh, the old free from desire. Uh, Dan's track was going in the background. I'm getting sick at this stage, but I mean, it's probably synonymous with celebrations at this stage on a sporting field. But I mean, congratulations to Limerick, commiserations to Clare. But I mean, both teams, uh, I think, to be perfectly honest, have a major say in this All Ireland series. I suppose, Karen, we can move on to the Lancer Senior Hurling final in Crow Park. Now, we thought, you know, that was kind of the heavyweight tussle. We thought last week in terms of this Leinster Senior Hurling final that these both these two teams, Galway and Kilkenny, had to take the gloves off. And to be perfectly fair, Leinster Hurling served their best fixture to last year. What an epic encounter. Kilkenny winning here 421 to 226, Killian Buckley. We'll go down in the annals here for that. Another epic Kilkenny never say die attitude goal at the end to win it right at the death. But I mean, both teams probably can come away with this with many positives. Yeah, I think it was kind of highlighted during the the round robin that that first Kilkenny uh, Galway game there was an element of shadow boxing going on, and you know I think both teams expected to be definitely in the top three, if not in the top two. And uh, you know I, I think for Kilkenny, um, get winning it late has a death, and you, look you see what momentum as well. You know that's their fourth. You know everyone's talking about Limerick's five, but okay maybe it's a little bit harder. But Jesus, Kilkenny have won four in a row. Uh, which doesn't bode well for Galway, I suppose. But, you know, I think when you see Derek Ling running in there, you know, it shows what I mean. I think for him in his first year as well, um, you know, it's a huge result. You know, I think there's a couple of ways you can look at the game. I think had Kilkenny not got that goal, I think the huge praise is going to be on Galway. Kilkenny are eight points up, you know, 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes left to go in that game. Uh, and they claw it back. They not only claw back the eight points, but they go two up, you know, into extra time. And I think if Galway held out, you'd be holding Galway in high esteem and we'd be talking Galway for the All-Ireland. But that late goal has changed everything. Um, it probably exposes a, a few defensive frailties. I think if you look at the goals, maybe Mossy Coons aside, you know, I think, you know, Walter Walsh, I think it's an incredible game. But you know, he, his goal, he took that goal from 40, 35, 40 yards, you know, run straight for goal, unopposed, you know, tackle went in. Uh, you look at Mikey Butler for even further, probably the halfway line. You know, I think it was Billy Ryan made a run towards the line, which would actually open up the space for him. You know, the Galway defender followed him and opened up, you know, clear road from the halfway line to the goal and, and no tackle. You know, this can't happen. Not at this, not at this, um, not unless the final, not at any stage, but not, you know, not when you're contesting trophies. And I think conceding four goals, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge flaw. I think in the Galway team is defensively. I think they made a mistake um, having Park Mannion on own Cody. I think, you know, Park Mannion offers so much to Galway going forward as well. I think when you're taking away or putting the responsibility on him to, to man mark own Cody, what's it saying in the trust for their cornerbacks? You know, having I think that was a big mistake for Galway. You look at it wasn't all doom and gloom. I think Connor Whelan, I think, you know, he has had a maybe an indifferent year this year, but you know, incredible incredible with one six like you know he was everywhere and i think you know it's only in, in sports and stars if the other galway attackers got in with him i think on cannon was in and out i think nylon probably had one of his better days 
you know, uh, I think the, the main word is consistency with this Galway team and, and the lack of it sometimes. In Connor Cooney, we all know how good he can be, but then on the big day like this, you know, I think he he really did not show up. I think on Cannon and stages as well, you know, it was maybe the last 10, 15 minutes, he, he stood up when they were coming, clawing back that eight points um, deficit. But, you know, I think at different points, a lot of these Galway players go missing and, I think the pressure was on Galway, I think, and especially on Henry Shefflin to deliver some silver this year. You know, year two, year one, you get away with these things, but year two, you know, closing on Kenny who are going for four in a row. Uh, and from here, like, personally, I think that the road that uh, Galway have to travel to try and win the All-Ireland, I think it's very unlikely. You know, they're, you'd imagine Tipperary will have enough for Offaly, and if they do, for Galway to play as Tipperary, winner goes and plays Limerick, and if they did come over Limerick, they're going to have to play a Clare or Kilkenny to to win it, you know. And I think it's a it's an arduous task for a team who I think are lacking consistency, you know. On any given day, Galway could beat any of them three or four teams, but can they do it three days in a row? And I don't think they can. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point, uh, Kieran. I I think the Leinster hurling final really did summarise Galway's Leinster campaign. It was very up and down. I mean, first quarter wise, they actually really did. Set the marker down. They went six points to one up fairly early. Got Connor Whelan involved early. Kevin Cooney, the usual suspects. But then letting Kilkenny back in. Demasi Keown goal. As you said, there's a few goals here. I definitely thought they're definitely on the Walter Walsh one as well. I think one or two of the Galway guys kind of just gave up. Under, but um, at, that, at that stage, they let Kilkenny score 1-5 without reply. You know, exactly, they were 6-1 which, up. You know, it's really disappointing. And I mean, they go into the sheds at halftime level, but again, Kilkenny really do posing that kind of killer instinct again. Mikey Butler's goal, I thought, really did emphasise it as well, didn't it? They had exploited the fact that Galway weren't tracking runners back, and I hate to say this from a Galway perspective, but I've seen this against Antrim, I've seen this against Westmead, where players weren't basically tracking players back, and it really proved the point and fair play to Mikey Butler. I mean, it was an outstanding goal here with Blanchfield, the link-up play, and the, 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 the strike was absolutely sensational. Yeah, great goal. You know, great goal. And, I mean, inspirational goal from Mikey Butler here. I mean, given the injury crisis that Kilkenny had going into this game, Mikey Carey was named at wing-back. Fact is, he couldn't play. You had Richie Reid. You had, you know, Keown. You know, we had Mullen basically being ruled out as well. I think this is... The, the manner of the win here, Karen, really did send to me that this Kilkenny team is as resilient as it has been, you know, even with the Cody era. And you saw Brian Cody at the end, you know, literally the first guy leaping up out of his seat when Killian Buckley gets the, the goal to win it. But the resiliency, the never-say-die attitude, the work rate, everything that we associate with Kilkenny, it's alive and kicking. And again, similar to Limerick here, I think as Killian Buckley said, the season is open for them now. They're 70 minutes away from an Iron Hurling final where they want to be. Yeah, I think it's that that never die attitude. It's embedded in them now. I think it's a it's yeah. a part of Kilkenny Hurling. And I think anyone that comes up along in the future, young hurlers, it, it'll be trained into them. It'll be it'll be, you know, bait into them basically. Um and they never give up. And it's you know, to be to their credit, you know, if you're if you're following the team, it's all you'd ask is that you don't give up. And you know, I think at any stage in that extra time, when Galway got that, that point to go two up, you know, you could say, this is it, game over. That's what you'll be thinking. But, like, you know, not to Kenny, you know, and a truth, like, 
as I said, I think it was a, uh, Connor Whelan said, they say it's never over till the whistle is gone. And, you know, it's true. They just they have an incredible resilience and, you know, they're, um, it has to be admired and, and the attitude has to be admired. Um, but, yeah, I think for, for Kenny, you know, a four in a row, okay, look, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Leinster hurling is weaker than Munster hurling and possibly, you know, it is. And, and But, you know, you're, you're looking forward now. And Kilkenny have got to this point, not too many, you know, testing games under their belt, you know, but you're, you're thinking health-wise and injury-wise, you'd hope that they could be in a better vein of form come, you know, four weeks' time. They'd hope to get Adrian Mullen back in the field. And, you know, if it is clear that they play or Dublin uh, or Carlo, if we're, we're going to be diplomatic about it, they they will they will you know they will relish the challenge you know I think they'll they'll expect a they'll expect Claire they'll expect a you know a Claire coming looking for revenge and these boys will relish that challenge and when you have players like Patrick Walsh on the bench you know you know how good a team you have I think they've developed some you know I think we all thought they were you know when that that golden age team you know a lot of these guys are retiring that they're going to lack but you know they've, they've there's some good hurlers there like I suppose not. Household names to the to the to the you know someone who doesn't follow too closely, but you know Massey Keown, like he's what a goal getter, and yeah. Billy Ryan, you know Tom Field, who played a bit last year, but really coming into this year, thought he had a great game against Wexford as well, scoring one three. Do you know like uh, T.J. Reid still there plugging away? I think Owen Cody's having a great year. I think if they can get Mullen back in, he offers him so much going forward, and and, and the work he does around the middle of the field. Um, they've options to back. I do think they've question marks too to back. I think Lawler could be a, a potential weak link for for teams who are looking how to expose them. Which is if one of the best cornerbacks in the country, in Mikey Butler, and one of the best goalkeepers in the country, in Owen Murphy. And I think TJ aside, they're they're a team. They're not, they're they're not reliant on a talisman. I think they're a balanced team. And you know when you have the attitude they have, it's going to get you a, a lot of the way. Absolutely, and I mean. I think you'd nail it there in terms of the team collective. I mean, Walter Walsh comes in with one, two, like, I mean, an incredible cameo from Walter, Mikey Butler, the one goal, obviously Mossy Killen, one goal, Killian Buckley, one goal. Owen Cody, as he said, I thought was man of the match really, to be fair to him. I thought, you know, everything he did was just sensational. Keen Kenny as well. You know, a guy that's been on that panel for a few years, steps up with two points, John Donnelly, two points, David Blanchfield as well. Huge game for him as well in that halfback. A position. Park Walsh comes in, chips in, and Billy Drennan, one of these guys that's coming back from injury. So I think from that perspective from Kilkenny, an awful lot of good things, and I mean the resiliency at the end, but I suppose going back to Galway as well, eight points down after 50 minutes, there was resiliency there to kind of get back into it. Jason Flynn's goal, obviously, was kind of a, a key turning point there. Kevin Cooney then turned up with a few points as well. Thought there was some good passage to play there for Galway. Obviously, Nyland comes in, chips in a few points or two but you know from a Henry Sheffern perspective he must be scratching his head here in terms of that consistency level but particularly at the end when two points up a dangerous lead in hurling at any given point of the game but um, yeah I just thought the composure at the end uh, Karen, particularly from some of the experienced players in the back there what left a bit to be desired uh, here Karen. I don't know what your viewpoint was on that Kenny and Buckley goal but even before Park Mannion's having to with no hurl, having to kick it and hope for the best. I thought particularly down in the sideline area, I thought even even get it out for a sideline ball, just basically reset. I thought there was a bit of composure issues there for Galway, really, and from some of the more senior players. 
It was real panic. Yeah. And ammonium. Do you know, like there was um, how many attempted lifts, how many, you know what I mean? I know. Swipes and missed, you know, pure panic. Maybe a certain element of tiredness too. Um, but it, it, to me, it just said panic and kick it out. Lie on it. You know, whatever you have to do just to to, to, to kill the moment as well. And as you said, reset. Uh, I don't think any fog can be a part manion. Like, you know, the ball was on the ground. He no hurt. Yeah. He tried to boot it as far as he could. Unfortunately, it fell into Killian Buckley's hands. And uh, I think, to be fair, he, he had a bit of work to do before he got to finish it as well. You know, he had a, kind of a sidestep. So, you know, well-taken goal. But, yeah, I, look, I think I think emotionally, that's going to hurt Galway this week. They had it. You know, they had the hard work done. You know, and to be fair, look, as I said, if they had won, if that goal hadn't gone in, we'd be praising Galway. Like, you know, they were eight points down, 50 minutes. They still won the game, or they would have won the game, you know, two points. And it would be a different outlook on the game completely. But, you know, I think it just shows frailty, just the fact that to panic. I think, like, if you were to compare that with Limerick, who don't panic, and, and you know, where... All you want is, is a clear mind, just to, as you say, pull it over the line, you know, just to reset yourself. And I think, you know, it's, you know, for Shefflin, I, I think it's it's not an issue in this team. It's probably an issue. He's inherited. It's in the team's gone before him. We've seen consistency issues with Colway, um, blown hot and cold. I don't know what the cause of it is. Um, you know, it, it's no different to Galway teams in the past. Under day, Galway could beat anyone. But as I said earlier, I just can't see him doing it two or three days on the, on the hop against big teams, uh, especially if it comes down to the crunch and if players are going to panic, like in that situation on Sunday. You know, I think it, to me it just shows frailties, like defensively. Yeah, no, yeah like based up here in Galway, <laughs> my next door neighbour and his family were shouting, once Cooney and Nyland get the goals, you could feel the deflation, uh, Kieran. You couldn't but feel sorry for him, for Galway, in terms of that scenario. But again, it is a tricky run-in for them, isn't it, really, now with the All-Ireland quarterfinal looming and having maybe, you know, a temporary offering to come into it. So I think for Galway, a bit of soul-searching in terms of picking themselves up. I think management will be earning their corn this week, really picking up the Galway players and really go again. Because I think we've seen the potential here at Galway, particularly in the first and third, fourth quarter here, when they got on top, and we've seen it historically with Limerick, they're well able to match Limerick. So I think they can put the game together. But I think now, as you say, they're going to have to do this in the quarterfinal, semifinal, and ultimately in All-Ireland final. And I think that was something that was challenged by like Salim Sheedy, guys like that, a few weeks ago. And now the acid test is here. So look, <laughs> uh, Killian Buckley as well. The Rod- <laughs> Rodri's goal for Man City was very kind of, you know, over body of players. And I don't know if Killian Buckley, you know, get it on target, I suppose. But look, super finish from him. And look, all credit, 75, Bob O'Keefe's uh, for Kilkenny. Four in a row. Congratulations to Kilkenny there. Look, Galway, you look, you hope for them to just regroup and get back into it. You know, because this All-Ireland series is going to be absolutely wide open, I think. But so, where, do you, where do you think it leaves Shefflin, Mark, going forward? You know. Look, I'll be brutally honest with you here. Uh, I think this is a body blow. Uh, for his tenure, um, just no masking it. I think after last year, particularly, we were both down in Kilkenny <laughs> on a stag party in Clears Pub, and we saw the celebrations afterwards. I think for Henry, this was probably penciled in the calendar: get to a Leinster hurling final, play Kilkenny, and get the revenge. And I think, to be perfectly honest, for Henry, 
you won't probably show it publicly, but I'd say privately devastating in terms of how that game really unfolded really at the end. So look, I think it remains to be seen. He has a three-year term, but again, year two, if there is an All-Ireland quarterfinal loss here, I think there's a crossroads here between Galway Board and Henry himself. So I think next few weeks are going to be critical here, that Kieran, I, I genuinely do. I think Galway supporters do actually admire Shefflin, like trying to kind of provide that steel. But again, it's a work in progress as we've seen the composure issues at the end, particularly some of the wides as well, particularly in that first half. Very. I think, um, yeah, I think as well, like, the you know, some teams are talisman, but I think the importance of Connor Whelan for them, like, you know, if you took him out of that team on Sunday, you know, what's left if you have Connor Cooney putting in a performance like he did? I think Kevin Cooney's probably having a good year. Yeah. Like, Nyland is probably a little bit hot and cold. He, he, like, you know, he had a good day against Wexford earlier in the championship. And, you know, I think from play, he's he's probably not scoring as much as he should. He did a good day Sunday with four points. But, you know, are they, are they, are they carrying him for just having a good free taker? You know, it, I think he's probably remains to be seen as well. Um, I think there's probably a good few younger guys there, like Liam Collins and McLaughlin and these guys coming, but I think it's it's a lack of leadership is what's probably the issue in Galway, especially up front. Yeah, I think it's going to be a key week, a week or two here, uh, Kieran. The the word that was described to me today was deflate, deflation, but I mean, I think from a Galway perspective, there's only one way to respond now, and that's up. And look, we're going to pre- preview the prelim quarterfinal, whoever comes out of that Tipperary Offaly game is going to be well hardened anyway. So, look, season's not lost for Galway, but this has been a, a blow, no doubt about it. But I think, you know, they need to just focus in on the next game, to be fair. Um, the All-Ireland prelim quarterfinal previews, I suppose. Let's get to them, Kieran. We have two on tap on Saturday afternoon, four o'clock in Tullamore. Uh, Offaly against Tipperary. And, I mean, from a neutral perspective here, this looks quite a tasty game like being down at the under 20 all Ireland finals speaking to a few awfully folk there they're really going to be looking forward to this game really after the joe mcdonald cup disappointment i think certain players within awfully are looking to produce a better performance against a Tipperary side here that had an underwhelming performance against waterford let's put it out there now liam Callum and michael bevins obviously have had an awful lot of uh, evidence to throw at the team in the last few weeks but I suppose, Karen, how do you see this game going in Tullamore? I suppose from an Offaly point of view, aside from losing the John McDonough final, they've had a great year. You know, I think they were unbeaten in, in, in every game to that. You know, they've secured the Division One hurling. They were, geez, they were very close to, to for Lee McCarthy hurling for next year. Maybe they mightn't see it now, but maybe for the long road, it might suit them. They've a lot of young guys, good young guys coming. And maybe they might be able to develop develop them a little bit more in Joe McDonough next year. Um, but aside from that, I think they've had a great year. And I think they'll, they'll be hurt. I think they expected to win that Joe McDonough final. I think it's, it's a good litmus test for them as well, just to see where they're at, um, as opposed to one of the top hurling counties like Tipperary. They're also bordering counties. I'm sure there'll be a lot of rivalry going on there. And I'm sure from an awfully point of view, it's probably a long time since they played Tipperary at home in Tullamore. Uh, and all that is motivation and, and feel into it. I think from a temporary point of view, you know, I think so far they'll be happy with their year. They'll be happy to come out of Munster. Uh, I think I think they presumed they were going to be in the Munster final, and that has to be a little bit of a letdown for them. And I think coming on the, off the back of that uh, Waterford game, where they were very disappointed, um, but I think Cahill will have that to use his advantage. Uh, Mikey Evans in training. 
I don't think we're going to see him as flat as that. They probably had a little little break now. They've had a chance to kind of recharge the batteries a bit. You know, the round robin is testing, um, probably physically and mentally. But I think we, you know, Tipperary's squad depth might not be as what other counties might have. You know, I think they've had some key injuries, likes of Jason Ford and Carl Barrett. You know, pivotal guys for them, and I think if they can get them back on the field, you know, I suppose you really you'd have to fancy Tipperary, wouldn't you? And going into a potential quarter final against Galway, you know, it'll be a rip roaring game, and um, I think Tipperary, like they've had a good year compared to what last year was. You know, it was always going to be better, but for Liam Cal, I think they're, you know, I think it's Jackie Terrell pointed to as the the dangerous team in this, yeah. you know, All Ireland series, and, and potentially could be. Um, on their day, they have the beating of any of the teams that are left. But you know, I think for Offaly, this will be a, a good test to see where they are at, uh, and for and for Carlo as well against Dublin. It's a chance to it's a free shot, really. You know, at, at a big team, and you know, if Tipperary turn up as cold and as flat as they were against Waterford, you know, you'd have to give Offaly every chance. But you know, I can't see Lightning strike twice, especially with Liam Cat involved. Yeah, because, I mean, from a temporary perspective, all indication is that Jason Ford is fit. He's ready to go. But on the downside, it looks like Gerard O'Connor is probably going to be a scratch for this game. There's also probably question marks over Cahill Barrett over the HIA because uh, he was missing for that Waterford game and he was badly missed inside and inside full of the back line. I've heard Craig Morgan's probably looking like a, fu- a return at some point during that match. Barry Heffernan looks as if it's uncertain in terms of when he's back. So, I think from that perspective, look, Liam Cahill and the Tip team probably got the reality check that they needed going into this All-Iron quarterfinal prelim. I think from an Offaly perspective, I think it is key for them to stay in this match for as long as they can. Don't let this out five, six points after 15, 20 minutes. I think Tipperary's goal here will try to get this game over and done with as quick as they can. Because we've seen it with Leash, We've seen it with other teams here. If you let these teams literally settle into the game, Things get a little bit nervy, particularly in that third and fourth quarter. And I mean, it's a local derby game. <laughs> My father being from Bursa and Eglish direction, they're only 10, 15 kilometers away from Burr. It's been the, the talk of the, the place, really, essentially, uh, this week. And awfully, fans are confident that the team will put on a performance. May not win, but they'll actually give a Tipperary right scare. And I think, genuinely, this might be the one where, awfully, I hope, look, Awfully create an awful lot of scoring opportunities against Carl on that Joe McDonough Cup final. If they can create the 56 scoring opportunities and get to about a 60-70% differential, Tipperary will be in for a game here, uh, Kieran. So I think, look, you have to tip Tipperary, but that last game <laughs> is an aberration. We won't know until Saturday for sure. Um, I suppose Carlo v. Dublin uh, here, Kieran. Again, another one that's kind of a n- nicely poised game. I mean, Carlo winning Joe McDonough Cup there was an awful lot of good vibes in the county after it. They've quickly focused in against a Dublin side that really did impress me, particularly in that final round robin game. But again, down in Netwatch, Cullen Park, the hope here is that Carlo deliver a performance and really put it up to Dublin. I think the danger for the likes of Tipperary Dublin is if they underestimate the challenge. You know, but I think both teams have probably top management and Michal has been on the block for around the block for a while. And you know, I think he'll have Dublin ready. I think this is bonus territory for Dublin. I think that the fact that they've come out of Leinster, um, they probably were unlucky. At one stage there, they were eyeing up or very close to Leinster final. You know, but looking back at the year, they've they have probably been impressive in the championship. Like, you know, I think for the bar the Antrim game aside, where the first game where they were 
were probably lucky to get away with a draw up there. Uh, but I think in that extra game, you know, they really came out to win it. And, you know, their long way of shooting impressed me in games. And, you know, when you have a guy like Donald Burke, you know, uh, on your side, you're, you're, you know, you're, 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 you have a good start to the day. But um, I, I think for Dublin, for Carlo, sorry, for Carlo, um, I think it's been a great year. I think Carlo's aim has already been hit. I think the target is to win the Joe McDonough. You know, but as I said, the same for Offaly. Like, this is a chance for these guys. They're going to be playing Lee McCarthy teams. They're going to be playing Dublin next year. Uh, I think it's a chance for them to test out and see where they're at and, you know, see what work they might need to do over the over the coming year. Um, but, like, you know, Carraway t- Carlo timed their, their run to perfection, you know, for this Joe McDonough final. And really impressive style of hurling. And I think if they play, you know... The, the long ball in Dublin have the capable full back in in O'Donnell in there to to keep you know keep the, to keep that at bay but they said like it, it all depends on the attitude of these teams and if Dublin go down to to Carlo thinking they're they're going to get a handy win and you know it could be caught in the hop but all this aside I think you, you have to go to to the, the Lee McCarthy teams that Dublin and Tipperary and you think to have enough experience and you know probably have a better probably uh, panel and, and I suppose on paper better players to to see the job out. I think once the attitude is right, you know, you'd have to see to see Dublin going through. And you know, I think for these two teams, if they do come out of it going into the, the quarter finals, they would be trying to catch two teams who were, were you know, were probably hurt. Both teams were, were only beat by the minimum like uh in, in both finals. And, you know, I think in different ways Claire are going to be aggrieved over the the finish of the game and Galway obviously that late call from, from Killian Buckley, you know, it's emotional baggage and I suppose it's how both teams are going to deal with it is, is the question and how they fight back from it. And you know, I think we saw with Claire last year, they put everything into that Munster final. Everything went right for them on the day and they still didn't win. And I think for you know, we saw the result of that afterwards, like in reality, Wexford should have beaten them. Uh, in that quarter final, and you know we saw what Kenny did to him afterwards in the semi final, and I suppose that's has to be in the back of the minds of of Clare players, management, fan, anyone involved. That you know, how do we know what happened last year isn't going to happen again this year? And I think for Galway as well, like they're going to have a hard week or two to prepare themselves for either Dublin or Carlo. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be a probably a hard week this week, but like you know. Going into that game, like Tipperary, like, it would be no easy task. And I'm sure if Tipperary can get over Offaly and, you know, maybe get a few guys back in, you know, they'll, they'll chance, fancy their chance against Galway. And, you know, as I said, they're, they're only a, a game away from an All Ireland final at that stage, you know. So I think for the, the, the prize are there now and it's not all hurling for now win. And, uh, you know, if the attitude is wrong or you, you, you have, 40, 50% shooting accuracy, you, you know, you're not going to win and there's no way back. There's no second chance anymore. Yeah, no, exactly, Karen. You summed it up quite well. I think even from a Carroll perspective, I think the the bench impact, you know, we didn't really see it in the John McDonough Cup final. There's only two two substitutes after 85 minutes. I think the likes of Marty Kavanagh, Doyle, the Nolans here really have to step up again. But again, from a Dublin, Michal O'Donoghue perspective, this is really a really lovely test because I think it's the variety of play from Carlo do show you in terms of the direct ball that they really did punish awfully in the Joe McDonald Cup final is really going to come to the fore. So, look, I'm probably hedging for Dublin in that game for sure. For me, the tip off the game, just 
it's a banana skin written all over this here uh, for me, Karen, on Tipperary here. It'll be more to do with the attitude of the players. If there's a few injuries that haven't cleared up, bench impact that, you know, is a bit of a question mark given the injuries already. I give awfully a good chance here. They may not win the game, but I think they'll give Tipperary as good as they get for the first 55, 60 minutes. So, look, I'll hedge it to Tipperary for sure. But, I mean, I would not be surprised if there's a shock. And that shock, I think, might be in Tullamore here, to be perfectly honest here. And it'll be interesting just to hear, see the dynamic of that Tipperary team, particularly 20, 25 minutes, if awfully their backline have been impressive in Tullamore. They've really kind of impressed me in terms of their first touch, their organisation, the sweeper system here as well. They're going to nullify the space on the likes of a Jason Ford or James Cannon inside. So who's going to really step up here for Tipperary, you know, in terms of is it going to be Bo, is it going to be Bonnermar, these sort of guys. So, look, I think if there is going to be a shock here, probably Tullamore. But, yeah, I'd, I'll hedge for Delia McCarthy or the Munster-Leinster Senior Hurling Championship teams. But, look, the hope here is that the two Joe McDonald Cup finalists really give as good as they get here and really do showcase uh, the Joe McDonough Cup for what it was this year. And it was an outstanding competition, and I think they will do that, Karen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I suppose, uh, Karen, we've heard about Jackie Tyrrell and who he's most dangerous county is. It's the left in the All-Ireland series. I know you have Kilkenny and Limerick there sitting back, recuperating, recovering for four weeks' time for July 8th and 9th. Out of the other teams that are here, Karen, who do you think is the most viable here to really knock either Limerick or Kilkenny off their perch here? I think I, I think Turl probably has a certain I I wouldn't yeah I think Tipperary on their day could be dangerous. I think if they got the you know all fit players back on, on, on the team, starting team, you know, I think Cahill has done an incredible job this year with them, you know, intensity, you know, just everything they didn't do last year, they're doing this year. Um you know I think that Limerick game is showcased, you know, what they're about, the hard work, the hooks, blocks. You know, the basic skills like they, they they had it all. I think the one downside or the downfall or you know thing that might go against them is just a little lacking in strength and depth. And I think that shows you know the round robin series is testing and you rely and I think teams over the last couple of years you rely on your bench. You rely on the same four, three, four, five guys coming off and you need scores coming from the bench. And I don't know do Tipperary have that to do a week in, week out, or, you know, over a couple of games. Uh, I do think that if Tipperary could get over Offaly, they would be a real, real match for Galway. You know, Galway, as, as we've said, on their day, Galway could beat anyone. But I just, I think I'm going to, straight away, I'm going to write off Galway because I cannot see him winning three big games in a row. Hopefully they prove me wrong, but I just, I think history shows it that, you know, bar 2017, you know, they, they're always... They're lacking on some parts, whether it's, you know, players or, you know, on a, on a given day where they just don't show up, basically. And I think for me, I, I just can't see him doing it three days in a row. So I think that leaves, you know, Limerick, Tipperary, Kilkenny and Clare. You know, I think history has shown them. And we might forget it sometimes, but you never write off Kilkenny, you know, as as we've talked about their, their work rate and the, the attitude they have, and geez, it gets you 75% of the way there, you know, to win the game. You know, I think Ling has carried on from, from Cody and their, their, I suppose their game is changing. Like, there's no doubt about it. I know, I think Cody was probably wincing up in the stand watching Mikey Butler getting up for a goal. It wouldn't happen in his times, but I suppose the game has changed and Kenny have acknowledged that and I suppose they've, they've changed up how they play. 
and I think they're mixing it pretty well, the, the short game and, and you know, and going long as well. But, you know, I think it all depends on how Clare possibly react to the, the most final loss to Limerick. Um like I think for me right now, if I was calling the last four, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna to have to go Limerick Tipperary and uh Clare Kilkenny. You know, I think if you're to you know, both games, I think, you know, obviously gonna be a bit biased here as well, but you know, I, I think Limerick, like you, you, you have to you have to first of all give them the respect that they're it's due to them. They have that will to win. And I think if they can get Keane Lynch back in fit, uh and in Crow Park, I think they have a good record there and they like playing there. You'd fancy Limerick getting over either Galway or, or uh Tipperary in a semi final. I think it all boils down to the last the other semi final were Clare and Kilkenny, and I think it all depends on Clare <coughs> how they bounce back. You know, I think last year is fresh in the mind and if there's any doubt or if there's any turn up and not put in the performance, like Kenny will take full advantage like they did last year. Uh I think, you know, Conlon going injured before the game was a huge loss, but I think it was more to than that. I think if even if Conlon had played, I think Kenny were still winning that game last year. But I think at the minute we were a lot of talk for this trilogy, you know, the Limerick Clare uh, I think for me at the minute, I think it'll be a Limerick Clare at Ireland final for the media and for they can pump it up and you know the, the as they call it the trilogy and the Clare have won one, Limerick have won one, and this will be like the best of three, um, you know, final in Crow Park. Who knows? But I think you'd have to give the you'd have to give it to Limerick base, and I suppose they just don't know how to to lose. They you know they don't give up. They seem to always have the answers and. I think they've been building slowly, step by step this year. <clears throat> Certain players getting into a bit of form. And Kyle Hayes was incredible the last day from where he was start of the year. Grod Hegarty, Sean Sines, you know, Tom Marcy's incredible year. And Gillan as well, you know, pivotal to Limerick and, and Fanning as well, getting in on the scoring bar the last day. So I think for me, I'm going to go Limerick Clare on Ireland final and, and Limerick to go on top to do the four in a row. Yeah, exactly. And look, uh, the question was Limerick Kenny there. For me, that let's call it like I, I'm going to call it Dublin and Tipperary, you know, in the prelims. But Dublin against Clare for me is a banana skin for Clare. Like, if out of the, the chasing pack here, I think Clare still have the the world with all, they have the potential here to really kind of secure an All Ireland crown. They've done it before. They can do it again with some of the Shane O'Donnell's and Tony Kelly's here. But I think that Dublin contest will be intriguing. I remember 2018, Kieran. we went down to Dr. Cullen Park when it was in Carlo for a prelim against Carlo. Carlo gave a good test of themselves uh, against Limerick and Limerick built the momentum the following week, Kilkenny and Thurlis, Cork, obviously. So then I think from that perspective here, I think Clare... But again, I think that quarterfinal will determine an awful lot here because, uh, you know, from a Kilkenny perspective, I think Kilkenny, if they can't get their injuries cleared up, look vulnerable. But saying that, Clare have to right a few wrongs, particularly if they get to that All-Ireland semi-final. I mean, the performance last year fell well short of the standard required. And I think now, I think it's more to do with Clare management here that need to now kind of take stock and reflect and see where the adjustments can be made here. That one two percent here. So for me, it'll be clear. But yeah, going with you uh, here, Karen. I think Kilkenny and Limerick are in a nice position. They can look to see these four teams now literally 
do battle in the next few weeks. God knows what controversies, suspensions, injuries are coming out of these games. And the schedule is going to be ticking fast given, you know, we're kind of getting into the championship end of the season, but all to look forward to there. I suppose, Karen, we'll leave it there. It's been a lengthy one tonight. Hopefully, uh, folks on video, you've enjoyed it tonight. Uh, the podcast will be out uh, later tomorrow morning. I suppose, Karen, next week we'll review these All-Ireland prelim quarterfinals. See if there was a shock in Tullamore uh, or in Carlow, for that matter. And also, we'll have a look at the All-Ireland quarterfinals uh, set for decision for the following weekend. So, I suppose, Karen, enjoy the weekend and we'll chat next week. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.